A reading from the second book of Samuel. When the king was settled in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him, the king said to the prophet Nathan, See now, I am living in a house of cedar, but the ark of God stays in a tent. Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that you have in mind, for the Lord is with you. But that same night the word of the Lord came to Nathan, Go and tell my servant David, Thus says the Lord, Are you the one to build me a house to live in? I have not lived in a house since the day I brought up the people of Israel from Egypt to this day, but I have been moving about in a tent and a tabernacle. Wherever I have moved among all the people of Israel, did I ever speak a word with any of the tribal leaders of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, to be prince over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you want. I have cut off all your enemies before you. I will make for you a great name, like the names of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them, so that they may live in their own place, and be disturbed no more, and evildoers shall afflict them no more, as formerly from the time I appointed judges over my people Israel, I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. Your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. The word of the Lord. A reading from Paul's epistle to the Romans. Now to God, who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages but is now disclosed, and through the prophetic writings is made known to all the Gentiles, according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith and to the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever. Amen. The word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by the angel's words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month for her who said, was said to be barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And then Mary said, Here I am, the servant of the Lord. 
Let it be with me according to your word. And then the angel departed from her. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Well, you represent the extra faithful people, or else you're just trying to get out of church tonight. But I'm impressed to see you here this morning. Um, This is our very last opportunity to think about those Advent virtues that we've been asked to cultivate so that when Christ arrives in about eight hours, we'll be ready, we'll be ready. And we've been thinking through these things, hope and peace and joy, and today we're asked to cultivate love and, and Honestly, uh, this is one of the hardest ones for me to cultivate, I think, because I have a really hard time feeling more loving towards people just because I want to. There are people in my life that I have prayed to God to for years. I've been asking God that I would be able to love them more. I don't know if you're like me or not. I cannot make myself feel a certain way, no matter how much I ask God to do it. I cannot make myself feel more grateful, (laughs) at peace. I cannot feel in love with people just because I want to. It's frustrating. I wish God could help me feel in love. It would make loving people so much easier if I felt like it. I wish God would make me love eating healthy foods and waking up at five o'clock in the morning to exercise. I do not always feel like that. I will tell you, I have spent most of the last year doing it. And this, I think, is relatively helpful to think about, is that love maybe is not really a feeling, not the love God is asking us to cultivate. Love is maybe instead a commitment, and a way of life. It is a practice. Now, sure enough, when I went to premarital counseling, the premarital counselor asked us, this was now 14 years ago, for my wife and I to come up with our our number one images of marriage. And I said, being poetic and romantic and all, mystical union of two people into one. My wife said, contract. (laughs) She's an attorney, by the way. Uh, we, we didn't know that at the time. That was a good hint. I came up with some other one that was just really sweet, and she said, commitment. <laughs> and I thought, wow, like, harsh and how unloving. But I, I realize now, because we've been married more than two years, that without contract and commitment, we wouldn't be. <laughs> I think you realize this as well, if you've been married for more than two years, um, maybe even more than two months because feelings, they're just not always there. And no matter how hard we try, I'm pretty sure we can't make them be there. We cannot make ourselves feel loving, just because even if we really want to. No, I think instead love is really a reflection of what we've committed to and a practice. I want you to think through Virgin Mary's response to Angel Gabriel It is possible she was really excited to be, well, 
a pregnant teenage mom out of wedlock. It's possible that was really exciting for her, but I don't think so. Because I don't think that's exciting for any teenage girl, to be honest with you. Why did she do it? Well, maybe because she heard that this was going to result in larger life for the world, and so she made a commitment. She made a commitment to practice love by saying yes to God. What's interesting is that there is a few writers who have said maybe the reason Jesus was born around the time 4 BCE instead of 2,000 years prior is that the angel Gabriel had been coming year after year to different women and they'd all said no. (laughs) You can give that baby to somebody else, thank you very much. And Mary was simply the first woman who said, all right, I'll do it. Mary was the first person to practice saying yes to God. Knowing, mind you, you know, we sing that song. Have you heard this song before, Mary, did you know? Anybody heard that before? It's a good Gaither vocal band song. You'll hear it next week if you hear it at 1030. It sort of says, Mary, did you know that your baby was going to basically die on a cross? Did you know that? Did you know that your baby was essentially going to be light for the world and was going to suffer like this? I don't know if she knew that or not, but especially if she did, I think the reflection is, was she committed, was she committed to walking the road that would lead to life for other people, even if it was a heavy road for herself? I think that's the way I'd like us to consider this Advent virtue, and you might think, that it sounds kind of like a New Year's resolution. Well, that's because Advent is the new year in the church, right? That we are supposed to make a resolution to commit to loving people, especially when we don't feel like it, and especially when it might cost us something, but it gives life to the world. So essentially, what happens in our story today from 2 Samuel where David says, God, I'm going to build your house, and God says, no, instead, David, I'm going to walk with you the rest of your days. I'm going to walk with you, and I'm going to walk with your children's children's children to the 18th generation. I am making a commitment to love you. Now, this is the hard thing about Advent 4. Again, if you're coming to the family service at 3.30, you've got like eight hours to try to cultivate more love in your life, before you get the gift of Jesus. More on that later if you come back. Uh, More on that later. But, um, man, that'd be a good use of at least eight minutes, you know. Be a good use of eight minutes to think, is there one commitment I could make to practice love with somebody in my life this year? Is there one commitment? One would be enough, don't you think? Because remember, we're going to get to do this again next year. Next year you have probably more than eight minutes, so maybe you can make two. But if we just made one this year, I mean, even a commitment about how we're going to spend Christmas with people we may not want to spend it with, and we've decided we're going to practice love even when we don't feel like it. I'm pretty sure if we do that, the Christ child would find a much more ready welcome than if we didn't. So if you got eight minutes today, I'd encourage you to make a commitment to cultivate love, even if it costs you something. Now, 
the reminder is, if it costs you something and gives nobody else anything, don't make that commitment. God is not interested in you suffering and nobody prospering. Suffering that gives life, well, that's what we do as parents and spouses and children. We do that. If somebody gets life, then your commitment's probably worthwhile, even if it's not you. But and now this maybe takes 12 minutes <laughs> instead of eight. Think through this one. No commitments for suffering in which no one gets life. But if you can commit to practice love with somebody you know or even somebody you don't, maybe it's we stop using a particular word or we stop making particular Facebook posts. Maybe it is we just say hello to people we see on the street no matter how often they refuse to return our greeting. I don't know what it looks like for you, but if you could come up with some resolution to practice love in the new year, I am positive the world will be livelier and Christ will find a better reception in about eight hours.